Hey, it's great to see you all, and uh, I've already met people that are here for the very first time. I want you to give them a great welcome. So uh, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I know this is very, very embarrassing, but we only want to love on you, all right? So if you're here for the very first time, I want you to do me a favor. You won't be on your own because I've met at least three or four uh, that are here for the first time. Will you just stand so that we can welcome you? Just stand where you are. Yeah, at the back. Yeah. Come on, lift it up. Lift it up. You can do better than that, Riverside. Come on. Wow. Thank you. You know, we know that you have plenty of choice in going to church in uh, Peoria. There are over 330 churches in the Peoria area, and you chose to come to Riverside today, and we are so excited that you're here, and uh, we just believe that um, this is more than just a church, and I want to talk to you about that this morning. We're starting a brand new uh, series that's called A Heart for the House, and um, it's heading up to the Sunday before Thanksgiving, which is the 23rd, when we will be kicking off our um, end-of-year giving for the church. We're looking to end the year in the black and to launch us into 2015 in a big way, and uh, we believe that God is going to do amazing things um, here at Riverside and uh, will take us into a future that is blessed, all right? So um, that's what we're doing. You know, just a few weeks ago, I received an email um, from someone who had come to Riverside um, over a number of weeks, just about uh, six, seven weeks, and and they were writing to me, and they were telling me that they were wanting maybe to make this their church home. And um, the person writing the email told a sad story of being burnt and abused by a pastor in a church Uh, in the past before coming to Riverside, and um, that was a big deal to them that had happened. They had been so hurt uh, and so abused um, that they didn't want to even step inside another church building. They'd been so let down and so hurt. They said, it's taken us ages before we'd even step inside a building that's called a church. And they asked me this question, is Riverside really a safe place for us? Is it a place that we can come and feel safe? They, they asked me if they could trust me as a pastor and, and us as a church that we would never hurt them and never let them down and uh, never abuse them. Well, you know, I was a about to write this wonderful email saying what an amazing place Riverside is and that it is the safest non-hurting place on the planet when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't tell lies. And, uh, and so I thought I'd read to you what I actually wrote back to this family that, that wrote to me, and this is part of the email I I said this, Riverside is now nearly 15 years of age and has been and seen people come and go 
And we, of course, started, uh, we have, of course, started three other churches, so we've seen a great turnaround of people. I wish we could say that some people have not left us hurt, they have. I wish I could say that we've handled every situation that has come up correctly. We haven't. Some people needed to leave us. Others, I wish they had not gone and that they had left better. I say all this to say that I want Riverside to be the church that does everything right. And I want to say people don't get hurt, but I would be lying to say that. The one thing I can say and say with all honesty, though, is that we have never set out to deliberately hurt people. We endeavor to keep the unity of the church and seek to be the loving environment that keeps people happy and secure. But as I read the New Testament and the stories of the early church, they too had their problems. LOL, which means laugh out loud. I say all this just to say I can assure you that you will never find Riverside an unsafe place full of toxic people, but we are full of broken people getting mended. And we would love you to join us on our journey. How many feel that is an honest email? Now, I want you, if you have your Bibles, and if you haven't, it'll come up on the screen. We're going to read Genesis chapter 28 and just verses 16 and 17 to kick us off here this morning. All right, Genesis 28 verse 16 says this. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It's interesting, those verses, and you need to know some background to those verses. Uh, It's a part of the life of Jacob, and Jacob's story is a very interesting story. When we find him here, we're actually finding him at a period in his life when he's a man on the run. In the previous chapter, it tells the story of him defrauding his brother Esau out of a birthright that should have gone to the oldest son. But because uh, Jacob's dad, his eyes were getting bad and, and, and he dressed in a way to confuse his dad, he had gone in to his dad at the time when the blessing was to be given to the oldest son, disguised as Esau, and actually stood there and the father pronounced the blessing of the oldest child over Jacob and not over Esau. He defrauded his brother of the blessing of the birthright. Now, the thing you need to know about Esau, the oldest brother, is this, that Esau um, was a man that was known as a hunter. He was actually out in the fields hunting while his younger brother was fooling his father to get the birthright. Esau was out hunting in the fields. Not only that, the Bible is very, very um, vivid in telling us about these people. And it says this about Esau, that he was an expert tracker, and he was an expert at trapping wild animals. 
So he's expert at trapping and uh, at tracking and also an expert at trapping wild animals. How many know that if you're going to defraud somebody, you don't want to defraud somebody that's an expert at hunting and an expert at trapping people? <laughs> And so it was that now he's a man on the run. Jacob runs for his life. He now goes running. Because Esau has made this promise in chapter 27. Esau vowed that I'm going to hunt him down and I'm going to kill him for what he has done. He has taken my birthright. Let me tell you that you're in a place this morning where many people have crept in here to hide because they were people on the run. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I have to tell you that this place has seen many, many things happen over the years. And over the years, many, many people have crept into this sanctuary and they've been hiding from the circumstances of their lives. They have come into this place and they are covering up the wounds of their past that it is that they have this wonderful smile on their face, but their smile is only covering up the wounds that have happened in their life up until now. The stuff that they've gone through up until now. People have carried personal wounds from bad choices that they've made in their past, and they've carried those wounds into this sanctuary. People have come to this place and, and they have carried wounds from immoral choices that they've made in the past. Uh, bad choices uh, that were immoral choices and they've crept in here and have been hiding here for a while. There are people who have crept into this place and they have carried wounds from family disruption where their families have been torn apart and where they have come in here carrying the wounds that have come from their own uh, blood and they have carried uh, into this place the wounds of breakup of the family. There are people who have come into this place with the wounds of financial crises. They have come in here poor and broken by the fact that their finances have fallen apart and they don't know uh, where to turn or who to turn to. There are people, as we have heard, who have crept in here and they're here having gone through church abuse where they have been in churches where both pastors and churches has abused them and they have been uh, not wanting to come into church but they've crept in here in the time of their abuse and their time of wounding. People who have come here from personal relational breakup, where they've been let down and left lonely. People who have come in here and they have just broken up from uh, those uh, who have loved them in the past, but now it's all over and they're in here and they're carrying the wounds of broken relationship. It has been that we've even had people come in here and their very lives were being threatened. Oh, it was that their lives were being threatened by themselves because they've come in here suicidal. Uh, they've told us that they've come into the church uh, and they were planning on leaving and going to commit suicide. Not because of the service, I might add, but because of the circumstances of their lives and they have been suicidal. Many people have come to this place tired and broken and on the run, and they've stopped off here to rest for a while. 
you know, with Jacob, you can tell how tired and broken he was. He came to a place where he rested for the night. And what the Bible tells us he did was this, that um, he took a stone and made it his pillow. <laughs> how many know you're in for an uncomfortable night's sleep with a stone as your pillow? <laughs> But the fact was that he had a stone for a pillow, Exodus 28, verse 11. But you know, that stone, it symbolizes this man's life. His life was hard at this time. It, it was, his life was difficult. You know, someone said to me recently, life is good. I, I said, no, only God is good. Life can be hard. Uh, and, and the fact is that there are many people who come into this place that have been going through a hard life and through difficult times. Uh, some people have carried worry and concern here um, by the fact that they do not know which way to turn and their worry and concern has been unbelievable to hear. Uh, and in the natural sense, you wonder what on earth you can do to help them. There are people who have carried problems in here that have no answer to them. There is nowhere where you can see them getting an answer. And they've carried them in here like uh, carrying a burden on their back. They've almost walked in with their shoulders down. And you can see that they're carrying a load and a burden into the very presence of God. Some have come and you look at their faces and you just see the hardness of life chiseled into their brow. You can see the hardness of life in the wrinkles on their face. And although some of them ladies try to cover it up with the best of makeup uh, and uh, Mary Kay. But the fact is that we've got a row of Mary Kayers down here, I tell you. But the thing is that, that, that it is, he can't hide the fact that, that there is a hard life there. there. There is someone who has lived a hard life and gone through extreme difficulties. Beat up by the world and shattered by circumstance. And now their experience of life can only be put as hard and difficult. People have come here, actually, and I have to tell you, they've come in and you've looked at them and you say they haven't got a need in the world there are people who come in here and you can tell just by the way they dress that they are rich people, that they have plenty of everything. But when you begin to talk, you find that they're still coming in from a hard life. How many know that hardness of life does not rely on whether you are rich or poor? You can be poor and live a great life, but you can be rich and have a very difficult life. And riches do not mean that you don't have a difficult and hard life. There are many a house that is a magnificent building with the silk curtains and the like. But inside are people who are going through the hardest of difficulties, covering up maybe by their wealth the fact that they are in the middle of circumstances that are overwhelming. So here is Jacob on the run. He's beat up and he's tired and he's laying his head on a stone pillow. But right there, right there, he encountered God and found a sanctuary. He found a place of refuge. He said this, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. You know, the word, of the, the word sanctuary is a very interesting word and Webster's Dictionary says 
that it means a place of refuge, a safe place in time of trouble. It also says it carries the meaning and the thought of a harbor from the storm, a safe place to pull into, to now stay there while the storm rages and and, and until the calmness comes back to the water so the boat can go back out. It's, It's a safe place, a harbor from the storm. It's a place for protection and shelter, says Webster. A a, a protection that is provided in a safe place. And then it says this, it's a room inside a church or synagogue where religious services are held. A sanctuary. We tend to nickname this room a sanctuary. Although I need to rush to say to you, It's only bricks and mortar. Uh, uh, The sanctuary becomes a sanctuary not because of the building. It becomes a sanctuary because of the people that meet there and the God that meets with them there. Yeah? That makes this a sanctuary. Many have come here looking for a safe place from the extremes of life. Some people have come here looking for safety and protection from temptation when there has been a besetting sin that has been continually tripping them up, they've come here both for forgiveness and also to now find a place where the nearness of God comes in and gives them strength to overcome temptation. Many have come here to rest in their hour of trial. When it is that all hell is breaking loose against them, they've done nothing wrong for these things to happen. It's a trial that they're going through. And they've come here, and they've come here for refuge and help in their time of trial. There are others who have come here for comfort in the times of their sorrow. When loved ones have passed over, And they come and they meet with God here. And it seems that heaven touches earth a little bit. And they are feeling the the breakup of of death not so uh, hard and difficult. And now they sense the presence of a God who says there is an eternity that we're all going to reunite in one day if we know Jesus as our Savior. There are people who have come here at the time when they've been under severe attack from unseen forces. You see, friends, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't make no difference to me at all, but there is a devil and there are demonic powers. And they battle Christians. They seek to trip Christians up, battling to... uh, In fact, the Bible is very, very clear what demons do. Uh, It says that the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his marching order. Steal, kill, destroy. And he wants to destroy your faith. He wants to steal away your hope and your trust in Jesus. He wants to kill off your faith. He wants to take you out and take you down. And many people have come in here from extreme attack, from demonic powers, come in here for refuge. There are those who have rushed back in here having left God. There are people who once walked with God But they left him. They walked their own way. They went back to the elements of this world. They went back to the stuff that never satisfied them when they were in it. They went back to the stuff that never fulfilled their lives. 
And, and I've been one of them, friends. I've done that in my lifetime. I have known what it is to leave the God I love and to go back to the beggarly elements of this world and find it as frustrating and empty as it was when I was there before. And the fact is this, it's cold out there once you've known the warmth of Jesus Christ. Once you've known the presence of God. Once you've known the arms of God around you, when you walk away and you do your own thing, I've seen people run back here weeping as they said, we can't live without Jesus in our lives. And they come weeping back to Jesus. I've seen people come here and only need help and refreshment because it's a hard journey out there. People who are serving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. People who are being marked out by the world as bigots and intolerant people. I stood this week, you know, outside the abortion clinic on, on Knoxville University. On university there. And, and, and I stood with one or two of our wonderful people from Riverside and held up banners against a, a abortion there and, and felt the ridicule of people as they went by. And, and many people go through that as they stand for Jesus, as they witness of his love and his grace and his mercy. And when it is that they stand for the truth of the word of God, they get beat up by the world. They get beat up by those who see them as bigots and intolerant and they come back in here and in this place they get refreshed and they get built up and they get ready to carry on their walk of faith. You see the Bible says that we're at war and that it is that we are seeking to set free people who are prisoners of war, prisoners of the enemy and the enemy will resist that and fight against us and life can seem hard so I've seen spiritually bloodied and beat up, tired, exhausted people who are on the journey of faith and they've come in here for sanctuary and a safe place. But you know what Jacob found? He found this, that that place, that sanctuary that he found that he called Bethel, that place where he met with God, it was that he was looking for a safe place, but what he had was an encounter with God. Oh, yes. He said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. Maybe he'd been used to religious stuff. Maybe, maybe he'd been brought up with a load of religious stuff around him, but now he was having a personal encounter with God. And you may be here this morning, as many people have who have come into this place. They've come in and they've had loads of religious stuff in their life. They've, they've gone through the ritual and they've gone through the tradition, but they've never had a personal encounter with God. They've never come to the place where they encountered God. And here was God willing to meet with him. He was a man on the run. And yet God wanted to meet with him. He, he was a man living a hard life, a difficult life, but God wanted to meet with him. And I don't care who you are or what your background is here this morning. I, I want you to know that in this place, people encounter God. 
We do not want you here for a religious reason. We don't want you here for the religious traditions and the rituals. The thing we want above all other is that you will meet with God in this place, that you will leave here saying, I thought that that was just a church, but I encountered God in that place. Jesus became real in that place. It wasn't just religion. It was an encounter with God. Notice that it says that there in his dream, he had this dream, and in this dream he saw, it says, a ladder was placed on earth, and it reached up into heaven. (laughs) He says a ladder was placed on earth, and the thought is that God set a ladder on earth in order for there to be communication between heaven and earth. Because what it says is this, that as he looked in this dream, he says there were angels ascending and descending. In other words, coming down from God to man was now angels bringing blessing down upon the broken, beat up, on the run Jacob. And and it was that God made a move to meet with him. I want you to know this morning that God has made a move to meet with you. I have to tell you, he's done it by the first Christmas. The first Christmas that ever happened was God putting a ladder on earth. Because I want to tell you, there's no way to the Father but through the Son. And his Son came, and he was born in Bethlehem. It was God saying, I want communication. I want to be with people. And so it was that God, he now made a way for angels to come and minister. I I, I want to tell you, Jesus came that first Christmas, and they called his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh yeah, so it is that, yes, Jesus will save his people from their sins, but Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know that God has made a way for you to be able to meet with him? And his name is Jesus. If you want to know the name of the ladder, it's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And so it is that that in this place, we have seen people have a God encounter where they have now been linked up with God like they've never been linked up before. We've seen, we've seen people be ministered to by angels. I mean, let me tell you this. Let me tell you, the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to the people of God in their journey through life. Hey, you, you need to know that God is always dispatching angels to now minister and to build you up and to meet you. I have seen at this altar, not with my human eyes, but I have seen people totally distressed, totally burnt out, totally messed up in their lives, being ministered to by angels and leaving the place better than when they came in. Because God met with them. Did you know that there are warrior angels that are ready to stand with you as you fight your spiritual battle and resist demonic powers? Did you know know that God is ready to dispatch warrior angels so that you are not alone in your fight, so that as you resist evil and as you resist the devil, these warrior angels go into action and they fight on your behalf? You're looking at me as if I'm saying a load of... Halloween garbage. Hey, this isn't Halloween garbage, friend. 
It's absolute truth. Did you know the Holy Spirit was dispatched from heaven by Jesus when he ascended to God the Father? He sent Holy Spirit to earth in order to empower you so that you can be built up. I want to tell you what I want you to experience in this place as you come into this place is the presence of Holy Spirit so that you are now refreshed and revived and built up and empowered to go back out there and serve Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That it is that you find in here that you come in and you have an encounter with God. That God now sends you out powered up and ready to go. You know, I had an experience in first service that I I need to tell you about. I, I was telling them, but I believe it's for you as well. And you know, I took communion and I, and I knelt down here uh, at the altar to take my the bread and the cup and. And as I'm kneeling there, I get this vision. And, and in this vision, I, I, I see um, a, a, a great commander on a throne. And I, I, I see this uh, warrior come in, all clad in armor. And, and the armor is all beat up. And, uh, and, and there's dust and dirt all over this guy. He's carrying his sword in. He's a little bit bent. And, and, and he's walking in. And you can see that there are scars on his arms and, and on his face. There is uh, tears running down his face with the blood and the dust. And you can see he's coming in from a battle. And the commander says, where do you come from? And he says, I come from defending the faith. I come from standing for your truth. I come from fighting the battle of faith. And he came. And immediately I saw in this vision the great commander. I took it as Jesus gets off his throne. And he comes and he takes the armor off this soldier and lays it down to the side. And he takes him in his arms and he holds him. And he rubs his hand over his hair. And he takes and wipes away the tears from his eyes. And then he puts puts his hand on the scars and the cuts and the bruises. And as he brings his hands down over the cuts and the bruises, he is healed immediately. And then, and then he says to him, he says to him, before you are a soldier, you are my son and I love you and I heal you and I prepare you. And then he picked up brand new armor and put it on and give him a fresh sword. And he says, now you can go back into the battle Now you can go and fight again. And he walked out strong. And I felt the Lord say, there would be people here this morning who have been beat up by the devil. You have fought a good fight on behalf of the Lord. You have done amazing things in the work of Jesus Christ. But you are tired and you're broken and you feel that you can't go another step. But you are standing true. And God comes and he puts his arm around you and he loves on you and he says, as before you are a soldier, you are my son, you are my daughter, and now healing comes into you, and you will leave you refreshed this morning because of the presence of Jesus. He is meeting with you right now. You can encounter God the same way. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 63 and verse 2, I have seen you in your sanctuary. And beheld your power 
and your glory. And I can say that too. We have seen you in this sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Everything changes when you have a God encounter. Now, let me quickly go on because God made promises to Jacob and he makes them to us. Listen to what he said in Genesis 28 verse 15. He said to to this man, Jacob, he says, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. He said this, Hey, Jacob, you think that this place, this spot, is, is the sanctuary, and you feel this place and this spot is the place, the only place where you can encounter me. He said, I've got news for you. As you get up from this place, as you walk into your future, I'm not going to send you out on your own. I am with you. I'm coming with you. He says, I, I, I know what you've been through. I know what you've experienced. I've known the, 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 the things that you are facing. But he says, you're not walking out of here on your own. You're not walking out into the future on your own. I am with you. I'm going with you. You see, as much as I love this place, friends, and as much as I love gathering, with the people of God here. I want you to know that this isn't the only place where I can have a God encounter. I can have a God encounter every day because he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you. I am at your right hand to support you. And so I can know God encounters every day as I walk with God into my future. How many are glad How how many are glad you don't have to wait to come here to meet with God? Amen. But let me ask you this. How many are glad that we can come here to meet with God and meet with His people as well? Amen. That, That there is a place that we can come together to meet with God. You see, the truth is that um, with us, God loves us as individuals and, um, but he loves to bring us together like this so that we can meet with him. You know, there's a lot of talk. You don't need church these days. That's absolute garbage. And when you talk like that, you're talking against God. I don't know whether you know, but the church is Jesus' idea. (laughs) And the fact is that he put this together and God wants to meet with groups of people like this. He wants us to meet as a local church. And God loves us as individuals, but loves to bring us together, that we may encourage one another, build one another up, and also know his presence together. In fact, in the Bible, God said this to Moses one day. He was speaking to Moses, and he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. In other words, he says, hey, Moses, I I know I'm the God of the heavens, but he says, I want to be the God of the earth, and now I want to make my home amongst the people. And so he instructed them, he instructed them. He says, I want my tent to be in the middle of your tents. And so it was that now he instructed that this remarkable tent would be made that would be known as the tabernacle. And the tabernacle would be pitched, and it would be that all their homes would surround God's home. 
that it would be that they would meet with God in their own homes, but now they would come together to meet with God. It was God's idea. He wanted to meet with his people together, and he instructed Moses to do that. And not only that, he instructed Moses to say to the people, I want you to give in order that the tent may be made. See, he wanted the people who had been blessed by his presence, the people who had been healed by his touch, the people who had been set free by his power and refreshed by his angels. He wanted those people now to come, not by constraint. He didn't want them to come forced. He didn't want them to come and bring finance and to bring offering because they were forced to do it He wanted them to do it willingly. And I I want you to read this uh, with me. It's Exodus 25, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. In other words, he don't want it from you if you're giving it grudgingly. He said, I don't want anything that's given grudgingly. He said, if they haven't got an appreciation of what I've done and what I'm doing, I don't, want to, I don't want anything from them. But if they have an appreciation of what I've done and, and the miraculous powers that happen when I'm around them, he, he says, let them come, but they must give willingly. And verse 8 says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. And so this is very important. The Old New Testament puts it this way, God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't love a grumpy giver. I, 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 I saw a, a, a cartoon this week, and uh, this cartoon was um, of a church, and they were taking the offering. Um, but as they were taking the offering, the guy taking the offering was right like on the front here, ready to pass the bucket along. But then standing behind this guy, looking along the row, watching what people was giving was the pastor. All right. And the whole idea was you'll give a lot differently if the pastor's watching what you put in. Now, now listen, listen, I'll never do that. I promise you I'll never do that. In fact, I'll never look at your giving records. I, I don't look at people's giving records. I don't want to be influenced wrongly in pastoring you. You know, I, I don't want to be in the place of saying, oh, they give a lot of money. I'm going to give more attention to them than I am to those who don't give much. So I never look at giving records. Uh, but, but I know this. I know this, that God is a God. Uh, you know, what, what I thought was this. Well, that's a crazy cartoon because Jesus is watching what we put in anyway. Uh, he, he's watching what we're doing. You know, he's never stopping looking. And so if you think you're just, you know, putting your hand in with nothing in it and just uh, pretending, you know, Jesus knows. All right. <laughs> best to be honest. But the fact is this, he says, I want them to give willingly to my sanctuary. I, I, want, them, I want them to remember their experiences with me. I want them to remember the God encounters that they've had. I want them to remember what they've seen happening in the sanctuary. I want them to remember seeing people being healed and people being set free from addictions and and, and people losing their worry and their anxiety. I want them to remember that there are people who have been absolutely transformed in the presence, in my presence in that place. And because of what has happened and because they want to see that happening in the future, let them give willingly. 
not grudgingly. Now, I prayed, friends, and I haven't shared this much, but I, 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 I got to say to the Lord, by the end of the year, God, it will really help us to end in the black and go into the future with a great push into the 2015 if we could take an end-of-year offering of $50,000. And, uh, and, and I said, Lord, you can make that happen. And then I thought, well, 50000 that's 50 people giving $1,000. Or it could be 100 people giving $500. Or it could be 200 people giving $250. And that's easy, but every little thing that's given willingly... Not grudgingly, not forced. John King forced me to give. You will never hear that, friends. You will never hear me forcing you to give. I present the need and I present to you the future and say, hey, listen, we're going into a great future together and we need to launch into the future together. And it doesn't only take your body, it takes your money as well. And, and if you willingly will, if you have been blessed to your socks, if you've been blessed out of your being, if it is that you've been transformed and helped, and you have seen other people transformed and helped, you'll want that to go on, and so you'll willingly give. That's what I'm looking for. I'm asking God. I know what I'm going to give, friends. Oh, He's blessed me so much, and I've seen so many miracles around this altar and through this church. Oh, I just got to give. I just got to give. I felt the Lord say this, and, and I don't say these things um, haphazardly. And, um, you know, I, I don't often say the Lord told me, but I, I have to say when I feel the Lord has spoken to me. But I felt the Lord say this, and I find difficulty saying it because I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. If you give, you will receive. I, I don't always, I don't go with that too much. Some people will battle me on that afterwards as well. I'll have a lot of emails about saying that. But, listen, I do believe when God speaks to me. And I don't know what this means altogether, but God said to me, I am going to put blessing on this offering. I am going to bless those who give. I just felt him say, I am putting blessing on this offering. And, and, and I felt it such in my spirit that it caused me to almost jump with joy and say, what I was going to give, I'm going to give more then. <laughs> but the thing is that I just feel God saying, I am attaching blessing to this offering. Now, that's all I'm going to say about finance. I want to close right now. I, I'm going to run through a few things here. Uh, and I'm talking to you as an individual. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to be honest, okay? Uh, I want you to be honest. Because there are people here this morning who are in need of a God encounter. There are people here this morning who are in desperate need of a God encounter. Or oh, you may have come to church, but suddenly God's encountering you. You see, God is everywhere, but sometimes He makes His presence known. And you have a God encounter where your life is changed and can never be the same. And I felt the Lord say he wants to do that. 
So there are people here who are looking for a place of safety this morning. You've come in from a hard life, a life where it's almost that you're on the run. It seems disasters round every corner. Some of you are here this morning and you know that you're a sinner. You don't need a preacher to tell you. You know that you're a sinner. You know what your life is like. You know you have deliberately done things wrong and you have sometimes done things wrong. You didn't know you were doing them. But what you do know is that you need God to forgive you. Now, as I run through these things, I want you, if you are saying, that's me. For instance, you're saying, I, yeah, I have sinned. I do need forgiveness. I need a brand new start today. I need a brand new start right now, today. And if that's you, if that's you, I want you to take courage into both hands. I'm not asking anyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I want you to just keep looking. But I want you right now, if you say, that's me, I need forgiveness. I have sin. I want you to stand where you are right now. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, I see you in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. This is a brand new day. It's a brand new start. God is saying, I forgive. I forgive. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. Keep standing if you will, please. Now, how many have fallen from your faith, beat up by the devil and by the world, and you've fallen away from God, and you say this morning, I've got to come back to God. Will you get up right now? If that's you, you get up. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. I'm coming back to God. I'm giving my life back to God. I've wandered away too far. I'm coming back to God. That's right. That's right. Don't be afraid. Just get out. How many are out there and you're saying, I'm sick and I need healing right now? I want you, if you can, to stand. I want God to heal my body right now. I need a touch from God. I need the healing power of Jesus. Just stand where you are. God's going to meet you. He's going to shatter that abuse. He's going to destroy that addiction in the name of Jesus. Right now, in this place. How many are out there and you say, I'm just plain tired. I've just gone through the hardest, hardest time. I just feel beat up by the world beat up by this and maybe even beat up by the church I've just worn myself out and I'm just tired just get out and God's going to minister life to you He's going to minister life to you this morning Lord Jesus those who are on your feet I just want you to raise your hands to heaven right now and get ready because you can have a God encounter don't worry, you're not going to fall over or anything like that. You're just going to know something's happened. You're going to know on the inside a refreshment from the Holy Spirit. You're going to leave here saying, I came to church, but I had an encounter with God. You're going to leave here saying, I didn't know it, but God was in that place. 
Now, Father, see these hands that are raised towards you. Oh, God, I've only proclaimed your word to them, but they're reaching out to you. They're saying, I need a God encounter. I need God to meet me at the point of my need. I need God to refresh my tired spirit. I need God to forgive my sin. I need God to give me a brand new start. I need God to take away the sickness. I need God to heal me. I need God to now give me grace and strength so I can carry on. I need warring angels to come and fight on my behalf against demonic powers. And I'm reaching out to God. We're reaching out to you, God. We pray that they will have a God encounter this morning. Right now, I want you to quieten your spirit. And I want you to experience God coming right in. You'll sense the peace of God filling your heart and mind. You'll feel a warmth on the inside to know that God is touching you as you reach out to him right now. Forget everyone else and what is happening with everyone else. But right now, receive the Holy Spirit of God. Receive the refreshment of God, the Holy Spirit. Receive this moment of an encounter with God, the Most High. And know that your sins are forgiven. Know that you are brought back into the family. Know that you are healed in the name of Jesus. Know that you are refreshed and revived. Oh, the devil has said it's over. He's done with. It's out. He's down and out. But God is lifting you up this morning. And you are ready to fight again. You're ready to go again. You're ready to face the enemy again. And you're ready to stand in Jesus' name again. Because you have been revived and refreshed. Now, Father, I pray that everyone leaving this room will say... God was in that place. And I didn't know it. I've had an encounter with God. And I will never be the same. Let's all stand right now. And those of you who are getting up right now, I want you to just put your hand on the ones that that were standing around you if you're near them. And just now believe that God is going to minister through you to them, all right? Now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will experience refreshment, that you will experience the power of God, that you you will know, hey, you will know that God's not through with you, He's not changed His mind about you, He's not turned away from you, He's not changed His mind about your calling and your purpose and your destiny. He is right on time and He says to you right now, I am going with you. As you leave this place, you're not leaving me in this place. I am going home with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are set free in the name of Jesus. Now let's give God praise right now in Jesus' name.